Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a betting perspective. With pro sports handicappers, Ian Cameron, Alex P. Smith, and various guests from the world of hockey and sports betting. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, Wednesday, February 7th, presented by Boston Hemp, Inc., Ian Cameron, and Alex B. Smith back in the uh, cap in the co-pilot's chair, if you will, ready to break down this Wednesday NHL card. Nice haircut, nice trim, Alex. How are you? Doing good. Yeah, just you know, had to get the hair lopped off. It had been uh, a long time, and it just drives me nuts. But other than that, good. Uh, glad to be back on, and uh, obviously break down some of the great action last night. We were talking before we got on the air about how you know, we've seen, even going back before the All-Star break, about a week, week and a half, some good defensive hockey. Now, we love our overs. We love our goals here. But uh, we want to see good hockey at all times. And some games are not going to be high scoring. But to see low-scoring games with a lot of energy and a lot of action, and obviously I'm talking about last night's marquee matchup with uh, Vegas Golden Knights hosting the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, that was just a fun game to watch. It had that playoff kind of feel, playoff intensity. You had a ton of, of orange and blue in the crowd that you know traveled from Edmonton for this game. Obviously, with the record on the line. So, seeing stuff like that—that that, that's really good. That's what you want to see going into the second half of the season because everything's not going to be a boat race. There's going to be a lot of tight battles. We talk about this often, uh, but at least to see some quality hockey within those tight battles—that's that, a that's a great time. No question. Uh, absolutely. That was a great game. And when we recap the uh, Tuesday card, which we're going to do right now, we'll definitely uh, get to that. It was the most marquee game of the night on paper. But to be quite honest, there were a lot of really good games last night. Uh, how about the Calgary Flames going into Boston? Calgary team that we just know they traded away Elias Lindholm uh, for Andre Kuzmenko. Although what an impact for Mr. Kuzmenko in his Flames debut. Scores the very first goal of the night for the Calgary Flames and getting them kick-started en route to a 4-1 to victory against the Boston Bruins uh, last night. Of course, Jimmy's our good friend, so when we have a chance to promote him, we will. He had a great article on Boston Hockey Now uh, posted today after last night's game that he wrote about asking, are the Boston Bruins ready to be the hunted again? Because you know that every team now that plays the Bruins is going to give them their best punch, their biggest punch, their biggest effort. And now the Bruins are going to have to up that intensity notch just a bit and be able to match that, you know, on a nightly basis, especially when you're playing teams such as a Calgary last night who are desperate for points as they try to maintain some semblance of hope, you know, in the wild card race in the Western Conference. And so I think that's a big component of last night's game. I saw a lot more urgency out of the Calgary side last night than I did from the Boston Bruins. Boston Bruins looked like they were just, you know, just dipping their toe back into the water following the long break. And it looked like Calgary to me just, you know, this is two points we need. We're coming to get it. You know, the, to me, there looked like a different mentality. And uh, that was, to me, not just Calgary played better. Calgary, to me, outworked Boston much of that hockey game last night. And that ended up being a difference. And that's that mentality that our good friend Jimmy was talking about in his article, saying the Bruins got up it now. Because everyone's going to be trying to play their best against this Bruins team moving forward. And certainly they were uh, definitely not only outplayed, but I thought they were outworked. And I'm sure yeah. that's a word that's not going to sit well with Jim Montgomery. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, obviously we can, you know, look at it a little deeper in about a, you know, a week or so. Because we're talking about teams, like I said, getting out of the break, having that longer time. So circumstances will be different for other teams. But that handicap kind of leads into 
another game last night where I had a, a play on that went down in flames with Winnipeg and Pittsburgh. And it may be kind of the same uh, you know, side of the coin in the sense of Pittsburgh team desperately needing points, desperately needing to get back into the playoffs. We know what their whole goal was right from, uh, you know, getting Dubas and making the moves that they did in the offseason. So Winnipeg, a team that we kind of thought wouldn't even be anywhere close to playoffs at this point, didn't think they'd have hell of luck or Shifley at this point. Now they're a team that's, you know, firmly in. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs at this point. Uh, I think they're going to be a playoff team in some capacity, be it wild card or one of the three in the, in the central division. So maybe they played a little bit kind of eased back a bit, which they shouldn't. Neither team should, except Boston shouldn't be doing that right now either. But you might have these spots where the team that's sitting comfortably right now, if they open up the paper and see their standings, hey, we're up here, not down here. And those teams at the bottom say, hey, we got to get to work right away. And so that's what we've seen so far in the first you know, night or two back out of the break. I warned you guys yesterday, too. It's a great segue to the next game. I warned you guys. I was really, really worried about the Florida Panthers last night, and I, I, I just thought in the pit of my gut the Philadelphia Flyers were going to give them a tough game. Not only did they give them a tough game, they beat the Florida Panthers last night 2-1. to one. You don't have a coach like John Tortorella behind the bench, and you don't have and you don't have a team coached by him that plays as poorly as the Flyers did going into the All Star break and not have a requisite response coming out of the break. They were able to hit the reset button. Uh, I was warning people of that last night. It felt like you know here's Florida rolling into the All Star break playing great hockey, and here's this Philadelphia Flyers team just not really playing a very good hockey and watch Philly dig down, get back to their defensive structure, which had really gotten away from the Malik's during the losing streak. I mean, they were giving up five goals. They were getting ripped at the defensive end of the ice. Those last few losses right before the all-star break. Sure enough, classic torts last night, better structure, block shots, commit to being good away from the puck. And sure enough, they get the job done two to one. It was an easier night for Samuel Erson and net. He only had to face 21 Florida shots. Flyers outshot the Panthers 25-21, including eight to three in the third period. It was a letter-perfect road period in the third for the Flyers last night, getting that victory. So well done by them as they snap their losing streak and uh, start their post-All-Star break schedule in the win column with a two-to-one victory. And by the way, like I said, it was a great night for Backing the player, making his debut with his new team. You know, I mentioned Kuzmenko. I thought he was live to score a goal uh, last night for Calgary. And I said the same thing about Elias Lindholm, the other member of that trade with the Vancouver Canucks. And he did one better. He scored two in his Vancouver Canucks debut last night to get the 3-2 win over the Carolina Hurricanes. And it's easy to say after the fact. You wouldn't have said it if Carolina won. But Vancouver won, so I'll say it. You can never this season again, again, make the Vancouver Canucks a plus 130 price to anybody in the National Hockey League. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it, you know, I'd be even willing to say right now, you could put, you know, the Dynasty Blackhawks. You could put, you know, the Kings that won a cup. You can put any great NHL team you can think of the last 20, 30 years. And right now, uh, I think it's a situation where you, you can't bet against this Vancouver Canucks team, regardless of who they play, the circumstance, the situation, the schedule, whatever, at a plus 130 price. Because, you know, it's going to be impossible for me to resist taking them at that price. Now, I was concerned about the fact that so many of the Canucks were coming out of the All-Star break, were part of that All-Star festivities. That was my worry about them last night. But once that price got to, you know, I snagged plus 138 
right before puck drop. It got that high at Bet Victor plus 138. And I said to myself, I got to bet it. I do have my concerns. A lot of Canucks were in that all-star game in Toronto uh, coming off of that. And we saw with Toronto against the Islanders, it wasn't their best game by any stretch. Um, but sure enough, the Canucks still overcome those is, uh, issues, if you will, and they get the job done 3-2. Timely goal scoring, great defensive structure in the third, on the road, defending that lead by the Vancouver Canucks, and Thatcher Demko making the saves when he needed to make those saves uh, in that game. So Vancouver, the beat goes on for them, Alex. Another win, uh, and the uh, the great story that is the Vancouver Canucks and their legitimacy as far as playoffs and as far as contender for the big the silver cup at the end of the day continues to be validated. Absolutely. And that's why I have Pacific division Western conference Stanley cup uh, futures for Vancouver and pocket because of that fact, like we just said, teams like Boston teams, like uh, Winnipeg, see where they are. They come out kind of lay an egg. Don't play their, their hardest. Then you have a team like Vancouver shows up and, and delivers. Like you said, you talk about coaching, talk about how uh, Tortorella is going to demand, uh, you know, energy and enthusiasm every single night. Well, Rick Tockett is the same way, and he's not going to let his team just sit and rest just because they're out of the break or, or because of a scheduling spot. He's going to have his guys ready every single night, and that's what you need. Those key intangibles mean so much when the calendar turns to April and May and June, even though it may not always seem like it's, you know, creating something right now. But the fact that it is working now, we're seeing this, this is important. This is these are the reasons why you make futures bets and look at things and and shape up where this team is going to be. I always like to look now, like I said too, not necessarily okay who's going to just run through and win. I want to see which team is is sturdy enough to where it doesn't look like they could lose a seven game series to anybody. Okay, like we talk about it, the goaltending, you got to have the coaching edge, you got to have grit and intensity, you have to be able to play physical when you need to. Not always playing physical, not going overly physical and drawing penalties. Those little things, when you start seeing those things developing, any game you watch involving teams that are trying to make the playoffs, look for those those aspects. If you're seeing those things clicking, that's when you want to start maybe, maybe looking at, okay, I'll take a shot for them to make the playoffs if they're a team that's on the outside. I'll take a shot for them to win the division if they're a few points away from first. I'll take a shot for them to win the conference if they look like a team where they get into this spot they're going to be playing, you know, maybe they get out of quadrant. A Pacific team drops to the central or vice versa. Then I take a shot for them to bet the conference. So if you're looking for some strategies on futures. Those are the things to look at while watching the game. Look for how goaltending is doing. Look for those coaching changes and look for teams who can play physical without getting themselves in trouble in the penalty box. No doubt. That's that's actually a very good thing to, to keep an eye on because you're right. Things will vary uh, game to game, shift by shift. And some teams will play more physical against a certain opponent than others. And it's just a certain game that, you know, you're going to see just that intensity ratcheted up even more. And you're right, Rich H. I cannot wait for that game tomorrow night, Vancouver at Boston. I mean, it's legitimately possible we could get a Stanley Cup final rematch of 2011. I mean, sure. I think Boston's path in the East is going to be well, I shouldn't say that. Vancouver's path in the tough in the West is very, very tough. But I think just in terms of roster construction right now, I think Vancouver's in a little bit better. It's weird because I think Vancouver's got the better roster construction to get to a Stanley Cup final than Boston. But I think Boston might have the easier path 
So I don't think yeah. the pathway through the East is going to be nearly as difficult as it will be through this juggernaut with the West. Now that Edmonton's back on track and Colorado's getting their game going again. And what if LA springs back to life, which, you know, you can't rule it out. We'll see you now after the coaching change, uh, what happens with them. There's just Vegas is not going anywhere. I mean, my goodness, that pathway through the Western conference is very, very Dallas. It's not to say nothing to the Dallas stars or the threat they are, especially as we get to our next game, Alex, that was Jake Ottinger at his absolute best last night. Mm-hmm. Spectacular. And this is the guy we know he is capable of being as far as a goaltender. 48 Buffalo shots. They outshot the, the um, Stars 48 to 30, including 32 to 12 in the first two periods. And that game was only 1-1 after the first two or 2-1 Dallas after the first two periods because of Jake Ottinger. I was watching Jake Ottinger versus Calgary in game seven, you know, all over again a few years ago. That's what we got out of Jake last night. And he was very good in the All-Star game, too, if anyone watched that. And he was awesome last night. Uh, I looked, it looked like I was watching Grant Fuhr, Marty Broder, Patrick Waugh, Mike Richter, you name it, whatever uh, you know Stanley Cup goalie you can think of. That's what I thought I was watching last night. That was by far the best I have seen Ottinger play in a single game this season. It's not even debatable. I think he's had some pretty good games in other games, but nothing like that. Uh, and that's the Jake Ottinger that we know the Dallas Stars are hoping to see. And we know that's the Jake Ottinger they are capable of seeing because that's how talented this kid is. He's the reason they won. They did not play a great game last night. I feel bad for Buffalo. It's probably one of the more dominant in terms of puck possession, ozone time, all this stuff. That's they, they couldn't have played a better game, especially for a team that's been so mediocre this season and they still can't get the win. The goalie robs them. That's the kind of season the Buffalo Sabres uh, are having. But incredible job by Otter last night. And I know our buddy Matt Robinson was very happy about it. He couldn't wait to text me and say, hey, that's the old Ottinger's back tonight. He was so happy to see that. But that was the old Ottinger last night, Alex, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, like I said, we sing high praises about him around here for good reason because he can put together games like that. Like you mentioned, that Game 7, that Calgary, that whole Calgary series is what was really the kind of coming out party for him uh in the nhl and so now to be able like said string those kind of games together when the rest of your team can't really battle through you put them on your back and steal a win steal a couple of wins those are the kind of things you look for down here in the second half so uh a big win for them big two points for them and it may not seem like much a 2-1 win against buffalo right out of the break but no those are the two points you look at when okay dallas now in second place instead of third dallas winning the division games like that or what matter. Those are those two points that look a little bit larger on the sheet than just a regular old game in the middle of the week against Novak. Yeah, that's a great point by Rich. It's, that third period was insane. I watched that game for a good chunk of it. It was like a shooting gallery both ways in the third period. Uh, no question about that. It was very impressive. The fact that there were 34 shots and zero goals in that third period, that's a hard luck loss too for uh, Uko Pekalukinen. You know, he didn't play that yeah. bad either. He played pretty well uh, also. Uh, so it's unfortunate one of those goalies had to end up on the losing end of it uh, last night. But yeah, 34 shots and no goals. So it was an outstanding clinic last night with the two net minders, but especially Jake Ottinger, who again, 47 saves uh, on 48 Buffalo shots last night in that victory. Um, very disheartening for both of us. I know both of us had a piece of the Winnipeg Jets last night and uh, they get shut out 3 nothing, And that was really a, a game that was not their best from the beginning uh, and it's one of those deals where Winnipeg's sitting pretty and Pittsburgh's absolutely desperate right now for any points they can get as they try to crawl their way back into the wild card over in the Eastern Conference. And 
just like the Calgary-Boston game to me. There was a difference in urgency last night. No question about that, yeah. watching that Winnipeg-Pittsburgh game. Uh, Pittsburgh just felt like they needed the game more. They outplayed Winnipeg early. It continued. And then what really, really, you know, turned the game on its ear when it was one, nothing Pittsburgh was the five minute major to Brendan Dillon. You know, once that happened and he was tossed from the game, five minute power play and they scored not once, but twice on it. It was pretty much all she wrote at that point. Once Pittsburgh got that uh, three, nothing lead. So penguins though, credit to them, a jarry and it was good jarry last night. Are we going to get good jarry next game? Who the hell knows with that guy? But last night he was very good. Uh, I thought they made life easier on him. They played a pretty solid game in yeah. front of him, too. And it was not Winnipeg's best game. Uh, it was a very quiet debut for Sean Monahan as well. I'm telling you what, I like Sean Monahan. He's had a nice season. But like I said, when yesterday or on Monday, I should say, when we returned from the break, you know, let's see him keep it going and let's see him do it in the postseason because you couldn't find him with a telescope in Calgary for some of those playoff runs they had when he played there. So let's see what happens there. But definitely a disappointing shutout uh, loss there for the uh, Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they'll definitely be – I am interested in backing Winnipeg in their next game. We'll see. I haven't decided yeah. yet, but you would think they're not going to be thrilled coming out of the break laying a stink bomb like that uh, last night against the uh, Penguins. And just quickly on the other games, we saw Montreal 5-2 against Washington. That was a good game for me uh, over in Montreal. Uh, both end up cashing in uh, in that one. I said – I'm telling you this right now, and I'm, I'm sticking to it. This is going to be a system play for Ian Cameron the rest of the season. Anytime Washington's minus 150 or higher the rest of the season, I'm taking the other side. Simple as that. Yeah. Simple as that. And all of a sudden, the little Cinderella slippers come off our good friend there, Charlie Lindgren. It's not exactly playing as well lately, is he? Uh, not at all. In fact, this has been a r- rough go for him the last four or five starts. He's been lit up for five, six goals now thinking three of his last four starts so he's not playing as well which means Darcy Kemper is probably going to get an opportunity maybe to get his net back if he can get his fucking act together and be more consistent for Washington that is but uh, Montreal with the 5-2 win last night great underdog plus price winner there with the Habs uh, last night another good game for us was Colorado New Jersey 5-3 the only thing that I didn't like was Colorado losing because I did have a piece of the abs but everything else was great First period over. We both liked the first period, both teams to score. Couldn't have been easier. It was 1-1 after the first couple of minutes of the game. Uh, And then, of course, my best bet on the show was the full game, uh, over 6.5 with Colorado and New Jersey. So uh, that was a good result. And I got to tip my cap to the Devils, you know, last night. 5-3. I thought the Avs playing a game would benefit them, uh, but they got the saves they needed. Uh, Mercer And Tyler Toffoli was a late scratch, too. Not only is Jack Hughes still out, but Tyler Toffoli was a late scratch. You know, we saw other players step up for them, including Dawson Mercer, uh, Eric Howla, Chris Tierney, Jesper Bratt gets a goal, John Marino from the blue line. So it was a good effort by committee for the New Jersey Devils to overcome the absences, their first game versus a team that already had played since the break. So very solid win for uh, New Jersey. They also feasted on a guy, and I'm going to say it again, he's a work in progress. You talk about very raw at the NHL level, goaltending-wise, Eustace Ahnenen. Uh, is that right now for the uh, Colorado Avalanche, for sure. This finished goalie is uh, not a finished product, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, just yet for the uh, Avalanche. So, uh, like I say, I think there's upside there, but we just have not seen it at the end. The, the numbers in the NHL level are pretty dreadful so far yeah. for Eustace Onanen. So there's no doubt he's still a work in progress. And, of course, the game of the night, Vegas 3-1. They end the 16-game lose winning streak of the uh, Edmonton Oilers, which falls one game short of tying the all- all-time single-season record with the Pittsburgh Penguins, who won 17 in a row in 92-93. Look, Edmonton didn't play bad. They, they had a pretty solid game. I don't think defensively they were bad. 
The winning goal was just a bullet shot by Stevenson. Nothing that Skinner or the defense could do on that one. Um, and then, of course, the empty netter put it away. They had a bunch of chances. That, to me, t- guys, last night, and that performance by Aiden Hill tells me, you know, it's time to stop thinking fluke, uh, mirage, whatever you want to call it, about Aiden Hill's run through the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. Um, you, you better buy some stock on Aiden Hill. Uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. He was absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal last night uh, in that victory for the Vegas Golden Knights and helping end that Edmonton Oilers uh, win streak. And I'm going to stick to what I said yesterday on the show with William. And that is, I said, if Edmonton loses tonight against Vegas and the streak comes to an end, I've got to stick to my bubble burst theory and fade them the next game. Uh, and uh, that is exactly, I think that, I think the fact that they came one game short of tying the record, two games short of breaking the record, I think that makes the bubble burst theory betting angle even stronger to maybe fade the Oilers in their next game because they were that close for history. And of course, there's one game short of the uh, tying the record, two short of breaking it. Now, I get it that their next game is Friday night against Anaheim, and Anaheim's been pretty bad this year. Um, but I'm still taking Anaheim. Although you don't even have to watch Friday's show to know I'll be on the Anaheim Ducks Friday night uh, against the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Alex, your thoughts on the remainder of last night's card? Yeah, well, I mean, we start with that Vegas at Edmonton game. Like you said, you know, good defensive battle, but a, a fun contest. And, you know, it's a tough way for Edmonton to have that streak snapped. But like I said, and, and I don't know, we were talking about this before the air. You're saying that you, you like that, the bubble burst theory, which, like I said, normally I would be riding on that. But at the same time, a team like Anaheim, I wish they were, that Edmonton was playing a team that was just a little bit yeah. better. I'd be all over that. But Anaheim's the kind of team that maybe oh, – I hate having really to take happen. the Ducks there. I hate it, yeah. but I, I feel like I'm going to have yeah. to anyway. <laughs> and and, it, and, if, and it, it could be one of those up and down kind of a games potentially too if Anaheim feels the same way where, hey, maybe we can get a shot at beating these guys because they're off of the loss. But we'll talk about that down the road. As far as this game last night, he said Vegas absolutely solid. Aiden Hill, I don't know if you, don't, you know realize the date. Today is February 7th. Today, one year ago today, was when I met his dad when they had the whole trip. This was also the day before Logan Thompson got hurt, and he'll had to come in and take over the rest of the way. So the record that he's had now, I think I'm looking at it, I think it's 38-13-5 since in, in the last calendar year. Like I said, this guy, it's not a fluke at this point. He's definitely sharpened his game even more than what we saw from the uh, the Stanley Cup run. Even more from what we saw when he had that little bit of an injury bump in that October, November, and he comes back. And now, like I said, seems to be fully healthy, seems to be right back where he was in the middle of, of that playoff form. This is definitely uh, one of those top-tier goalies right now. And if he can stay the course, obviously stay healthy as well, uh, Vegas will be in, in great shape. But, uh, Edmonton, like I said, kudos to them for running off this, this streak. And it's, like I said, Still mind-boggling to me with all the great Edmonton teams of, of yesteryear that this was their longest by far uh, winning streak. I think it was, what, nine games was officially set their team record. And then they go on and run it all the way to 16. So a, a great run for them, especially with how their season started. Uh, it has definitely been a Jekyll and Hyde year for that club. But now they got to continue that pace. Stay in this top part. Don't regret, you know, revert back to what we saw in the, in the first two and a half months of the season. I think they're going to be all right. So those are two teams that are more than likely going to be destined to run into each other again. They, they kind of played like that too. You know, they had the history from last year in the playoffs. And I think we, every time we see these two teams play, be it regular season playoffs, it's going to be a heated battle back and forth. 
the disrespect too for Sportsnet when they were rolling out those ridiculous. Some of them were ridiculous. Those four nation face off rosters for Canada. There were multiple people on that panel that didn't even have Aiden Hill as one of the three goalies. Like I, I couldn't believe that. Like a Bennington, I get it. You know, Jari was on a lot. I'll take Aiden Hill in a fucking heartbeat right now over Tristan Jari. Are you shitting me? My goodness. Uh, absolutely, I would. In an absolute close. heartbeat. What Stanley Cup, uh, you know, has Jari ever won? You know, for the uh, what, what playoff series has that guy ever won? You know, all I remember is him shitting the, his pants against the New York Islanders, providing one of the epic rants of all time in Ice Guys history from yours truly. I remember that. I remember him doing that. Uh, but there were multiple people on that panel that didn't even have Aiden Hill as a goaltender on the Canadian roster for that four nation faceoff next year. Totally absurd. And they've got a guy like Jari on there instead. I couldn't believe it when I saw that, Alex. Uh, how is he not going to have a shot? To He has to be. He is playing at a high enough level. He's got a Stanley Cup title where he was outstanding in the postseason last year to his name. How is he not one of the best three options that Canada has right now for goaltending next year in that four-nation face-off? How? Yeah, but you know, the, those those lists are, are a bit up and down. I saw where one of the three goalies projected for Finland is on Toronto. So, you know, I'm not taking that with a super grain of salt. But, yeah, but th- there needs to be more respect put on Aiden Hill's name by far. Uh, I went back and looked at some of my charts. I had him ranked in what may be the lower tier of, of all goalies when he was bouncing around between Anaheim and San Jose with not much upside. I think I had him pretty much his ceiling being an AHL starter. And eventually went from I had his ceiling being a career NHL backup to now I have his ceiling basically being a career NHL starter with a slight possibility of maybe even being an all thing. So that has changed in three to four years. And, and we have to be flexible when looking at goaltenders. We talk about, we put so much stock in them early and then all of a sudden they don't make, they don't meet our initial expectation. And then we just back off of them and say, they suck their bums. We can't do that. Goaltending has changed quite a bit where it takes guys a little bit longer to develop. Guys don't spend enough time in the minor leagues. We talk about that all the time. So we have to, you know, Watch them gel and progress in the NHL, and that means those numbers are going to look terrible the first couple of years. They have to get to playing well to make those numbers look better, and then we all start talking about, oh, they're top 10, top 15 goalies. We can't rush to make snap judgments on, on goaltending all the time. Sometimes it's pretty clear, and sometimes it's not. And Aiden Hill is one of those cases where it wasn't that clear before, but it's certainly crystal clear now. He is one of the top goaltenders in the league and definitely would deserve some consideration for some of these international tournaments moving forward. And we do have to give some credit to, it's only a guy that played, you know, in his career, he played mostly over in Italy, you know, and Germany professionally. I think he had one game with the Capitals. He had a one season in the AHL. He's currently the Vegas goaltending coach, Mike Rosati. He deserves some credit. He's done a nice job uh, because he's had to deal with so many different goalies there. And uh, I'm sure he's had a little hand in the development of Aiden Hill for sure. Uh, no question about that. But uh, like I said, he's, it's, it's a great story you know, what we've seen out of Aiden Hill. And um, there was always people, look, I understand people questioning him coming into this year. I mean, it was just out of the blue. It was like a, uh, you just couldn't believe it. It's like you just you're struck by lightning or something. All of a sudden, whoa, here's Aiden Hill out of nowhere, takes the net because Brossois was hurt and Thompson was out of commission. And of course, Leonard was nowhere to be found there either. And it was Aiden Hill or nobody. That, that's what yep. they had uh, in net and in, in the playoffs once they got into that late first round, and the next thing you know, here he is going on that incredible run uh, all the way to the uh, Stanley Cup. And this year, yeah, there's questions, right? Can you do it for a full season? And his numbers this year, outstanding. 
So I think at this point we have to say uh, he and Sean Burke too. Yeah, Sean Burke, yeah, Rich Peach, no question. You know because he's been in, entrenched with the Vegas situation for years now, and uh, that guy's uh, accolades as a goaltending uh, coach and a goaltending evaluator has been off the charts. And in that that organization, there's four or five ex NHL goalies between uh, just like I said the Vegas staff and even the Henderson staff that these guys can rely on. And there's it's, so it's, it's not. You know, happenstance that in six years of this franchise existing, the two years where they make cup runs, they use five or more goaltenders. Any other team uses five or more goaltenders, they're probably a lottery pick. So that tells you all you need to know that that they have by far one of the, the deepest goaltending pipeline. Not just just talking about players and and, and prospects, but coaching wise, their goaltending room is the best in the league, hands down. It's it's excellent, and uh, it's certainly a uh, showing uh, in the results right now as well all right hopefully we'll show in our results tonight with the three nhl games some profit here on this wednesday nhl card so with that in mind we will go to what is the first of two games tonight on tnt with their wednesday night doubleheader: tampa bay lightning new york rangers uh rangers minus 120 home favorite six and a half the total uh, in this one rangers coming uh out of the all-star break on monday night with the big uh, win against the uh, Colorado Avalanche in overtime, down one nothing for the majority of that game. It was an incredible end-to-end rush on a, uh, by uh, Nathan McKinnon to put Colorado on the board. But that was it for the Avs after that. Uh, the Rangers end up tying it, courtesy of Panarin. Uh, and then in overtime, they get the game-winning goal from Alexi Lafreniere uh, to give them that 2-1 to victory. Once again, Jonathan Quick, who has had a resurgence this season in net for the uh, New York Rangers. He got the start with um, Peter LaViolette basically giving, um, you know, Igor Shosturkin a bit of a post-All-Star weekend rest. Uh, and Jonathan Quick was really good again. Here we are now, Wednesday night. There is no back-to-back for the Rangers. They don't play tomorrow night. And Peter LaViolette's going back to the old veteran. Jonathan Quick once again uh, in net. Oh, the plot thickens as far as this goaltending situation right now uh, for the New York Rangers. LaViolette saying, you know what? The old veteran has won me over. He has played well this year for the majority. He's been more consistent for us than uh, Igor Shosturkin. Although I will say this about Igor. I thought he was excellent in the All-Star game. I thought he was really, really good in that, but it's hard to evaluate an All-Star game. We're talking about NHL regular season action. Jonathan Quick's numbers across the board are better than Igor Shosturkin's this season. 2.35 goals against, 918 save percentage, 11 wins, four regulation losses, two shootout losses. So only four regulation losses in 17 starts this season for Jonathan Quick. So he's been very solid. He was good again against Colorado, and we know that team's capable of putting the puck in the net. So very impressive with uh, from him, and he'll be back in net tonight. Tampa Bay playing their first game tonight following the all-star break and not only that but you know at least with toronto they got to get back into action after playing last saturday uh on monday you know for tampa they haven't played since that last saturday january 27th game against the new jersey devils they won 6-3 at home this is almost a full two weeks this is a strong week and a half layoff here uh for the uh, tampa bay lightning while the rangers you know they've already uh played you know had a game under their belt so Normally in situations like that, I like to back the team that has played one game uh, since the uh, All-Star break already with and, and lean Rangers here. But 
there's something about this that does that's unsettling to me. And what's unsettling to me is the fact that the Rangers went into Tampa and it was probably one of the worst games Tampa's had all year. Rangers went into Tampa, beat them five one, really, really made them look bad. And there's something that tells me this veteran laden, you know, we wonder if there's still another long playoff run in this group at this point, you know, never say never. And like I say, the East's a little easier pathway than the West, but I do know one thing, you know, they will know that that Ranger team, the last time they played them, Rangers went into Tampa. It was kind of embarrassing, actually. 5-1, it was a, they, they played terrible, and I was happy. I liked the Rangers in that game. But I have a feeling Tampa Bay will come out with a really strong, concerted effort. The only question is, will the rust take over? That is a concern when you're talking, talking about a team that played a week and a half ago, their most recent game being Saturday, January the 27th. Uh, we'll see how this one goes. I'm going to sprinkle on the draw here uh, in this game just a little bit. That's really all I like. I think the total is pretty tricky uh, here in this game. Nothing that I I really lean. I, I could actually see this being a little bit lower scoring. Keep in mind, I'm tightening the belt when it comes to just firing away on overs, first period or full game or otherwise. Yeah. First two nights coming out of the All-Star break, 8-2 and two to the under uh, in the 10 games that we have seen so far since the all-star break. So that's why I'm going to lay low with totals. You know, we'll pick our spots like I did. The spot I hammered with overs last night, as you know, was Colorado, New Jersey. And that's the one that paid off. We're just going to be a little more selective until we see the data continue to matriculate and roll in following the all-star break. But I think it's a combination of things, the long break. And I think it's a co- also teams are really, really starting to realize, hey, it's the home stretch here. The games are more important. The points are more important. It is time to pay a little more onus and attention to the defensive side of the puck. And I definitely think you're seeing signs of that here in the first two nights following the All-Star break. So the only thing I have pregame here is the draw. Uh, Alex, what do you think? Lightning, Rangers. Yeah, I was happy to see somebody talking about yeah, this line move from six to six and a half. I'm kind of happy to see these totals numbers bump up a little bit pregame. I'm jumping in on the draw already. I grabbed that. I got plus uh, 350. And I'll be looking live. If I see the pace that I'm looking for, especially with these two teams, you mentioned with uh, Tampa Bay kind of getting embarrassed and, and looking at Andre Vasilevsky's regular season numbers against the Rangers. Not that good. 4-7-2, 2.98 goals against 907 save percentage. But he hasn't been able to find wins against this Rangers club. So with that being said, and with both teams kind of coming out of the like I said, coming out of the break, I want to give some time to watch and see what the pace of play is before I jump in on anything side or total. But I do like the draw here. If this is a close kind of goaltending battle, quick looks good, Vasilevsky sharp, then having the draw in pocket now makes total sense because we could see this one be a 2-2 kind of a game. So uh, this is a, a wait and feel kind of process, but I will have some draw in pocket. Yeah, I will tell you right now, if I'm betting, if I lean one way pregame with the side, with the money line, it's Rangers for me. But um, I'm going to wait to see if maybe they give up the first goal, which they did against Colorado, and mm-hmm. see if I can get a better live money line price with them. And keep in mind, they have beaten Tampa three of the last four times, uh, including uh, two straight here at Madison Square Garden. Uh, and and uh, both of them were last year. Tampa hasn't gone to New uh, to Madison Square Garden yet this year. But last year, Rangers won both meetings at Madison Square Garden, three to one uh, and six to three uh, over the um New uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So we'll see if that can uh, carry over here uh, to uh, this game here tonight. Uh, there you go. Birthday night for uh, Stamkos, uh, by the way. So if you believe in, that's definitely a thing in the NBA. I find in the NBA, you bet a, a guy that's celebrating his birthday over his point prop 
you're going to probably cash more often than not. So it's definitely something to uh, keep an eye on. As far as props for me in this game, just took taking a look at the uh, combinations. I say Lafreniere to me is worth a look because he's streaky, but he's he's really showing signs of you know the potential that the Rangers saw in him uh, when they drafted him. Uh, and he has been playing better. The game-winning goal, of course, against Colorado. I've mentioned Blake Wheeler's name multiple times. Uh, I don't mind that look as well. So they're basically the the top two lines right wingers. Uh, Wheeler on the first line, right wing side. Lafreniere on the second line, right wing side right now for the Rangers. I think both of them are good prop looks here tonight in this game. And then for Tampa Bay, Nick Paul playing with Point and Kucherov. So there's definitely a little bit of value there with Nick Paul playing on that line with obviously two of the best forwards on the team point and uh, Kucherov. So definitely don't mind maybe taking a shot with some kind of Nick Paul look here in this game, as far as props go. All right, next up Dallas stars, Toronto Maple Leafs. We've got the Leafs minus minus one thirty home favorites, six and a half, the total two things here. Dallas coming on a back to back. They played in Buffalo last night and they got outplayed outplayed badly, but Jake Ottinger to the rescue. Uh, in a two-to-one victory last night, 48-30 were the shots in favor of the Sabres. But when you've got a great goalie who's capable of being great, like Jake Ottinger, uh, you're definitely capable uh, of uh, you know rising above it. And that's exactly what Dallas did. Goalie pulled them through on a night when they didn't have their best. I would expect Dallas to want to play better. They know they kind of got away with one uh, in that game last night against uh, Buffalo. But I know Toronto was very frustrated with that game against the Islanders for one reason. They actually, I think they carried the play a little bit. They peppered uh, Ilya Sorokin all night. And the same thing that has cost the Leafs wins and more importantly, points. They have lost a handful of games this year in the final minutes of regulation time with just this failure to pay the minute attention to those defensive details. All right. And it happened to them again. Monday night, and it was one of their, it was an all-star defenseman that was the culprit. Morgan Riley, he couldn't clear the puck out of the zone on that game-winning goal by Pierre Engvall. Should have known Pierre Engvall would come back to Toronto uh, and score against his old team, and he does. He gets the game winner, 3-2 late in the third period. And then I don't know what on earth TJ Brody, his defensive partner of Morgan Riley, was doing. He went for a free skate in the corner. He was checking thin air in the corner all by his lonesome. It's like, what are you doing, man? And he's a, he is getting ripped here in Toronto right now in this area. And Leaf fans are fed up with TJ Brody's decline. And it's a shocking decline. This has always been a reliable, steady, sound defenseman. And he's not tying up sticks. He's not knocking people on their keister in front of the net. He is losing coverage over and over again, turning pucks over, uh, especially in the defensive zone. Um, it's pretty rough to watch. But uh, at the same point, you try to be sympathetic. You know, his wife is battling, you know, the multiple sclerosis diagnosis. I think he had a passing in his family uh, as well above uh, six months ago or a year ago. You try to be sympathetic to that, but also you just need better from him because he's important. He's been an important defenseman for this team and he's just just level of play in his own end. And his just his attention to those defensive details has just not been what it once was. And it's been becoming a big problem. For this Toronto team. And that's why, you know, the 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 outcry right now is we need to upgrade on the blue line uh before the trade deadline. And we'll have to see if um Brad Tree Living is able to make a move with that. Uh as far as this game goes, it's Ilya Samsonov in net. I don't think he could have really faulted him for the loss against the Islanders. Uh none of the goals were really that horrible to give up. One was a breakaway out of the penalty box, and Sheldon Keith, by the way 
who has been a little more agitated publicly with his team lately. He didn't hesitate and he didn't mince words about that, that we allowed this guy to score his first NHL goal coming out of the penalty box saying that's peewee hockey shit, you know, that, 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 that we did the other night. You've got to know clock on the time on the clock as far as how much, how many seconds are left in that penalty. And you cannot knowing that the penalty is expiring, let the guy coming out of the box get behind your defense. You know, and that's exactly what they allowed to happen. So Sheldon was not happy at all. I think Toronto probably brings it here tonight, but at the same point in time, you're going to lay minus 130 when I kind of think Dallas is the better of these two teams. I'm not. So this is one of those deals where I think situationally, there's a lot of signs that point to Toronto here in this game, but minus 130 against the Stars. And don't sleep on Wedgwood. I know it's going to be obviously not Jake Ottinger tonight. It's going to be Scott Wedgwood here for the Dallas Stars, but A is capable. And B, he's back close to home, Toronto, uh, obviously where he's from. So, you know, he's going to want to put a good performance out there tonight for the uh, Dallas Stars. So it's not just some foregone conclusion. Oh, no Ottinger, no Dallas victory tonight. It's not that simple. So this is one where I'm not really involved with the side pregame. Um, you know, we talk about Dallas being a, a kind of a draw team. I mean, the Buffalo game nearly went to a draw. Toronto Maple draws. I mean, I could make a case for that. Total, you know, we've seen the first period overs kind of cool off with the Stars uh, of late. Toronto's game with the Islanders stayed under. So it's really not a whole lot other than props here. And I'll mention a few of those in just a moment. Alex, what do you like here? Dallas, Toronto. Yeah, I would love to lay this price with the Leafs, but I just can't. You know, looking at the series history, they have dominated uh, the Stars, won nine of the last 11 meetings. Uh, and like I said, I, you know, coming off of a, a, a loss that just it didn't sit well with them at all against the Islanders, I would like to think that they would be able to bounce back in this kind of a spot. But, you know, this is Wednesday night home game. Maybe it's a little bit kind of slow and sluggish. And, you know, if Dallas gets the first goal, they can get things off and running uh, in, in their own way. I'm not really crazy about anything in this in this spot. I don't even like the draw that much. I have a little bit of the draw because it's, it's pretty much automatic reflex with Toronto. But it's not my favorite look. Uh, this is definitely one that I would want to, you know, watch and, and kind of see live because it – First period overs have cooled off drastically with, with Dallas. That's something that we could see pick up again, and we probably will see it pick up more with Wedgwood starts than we would Ottinger starts. But even this price, I'm saying it as cheap as a dollar thirty-eight to as high as one sixty. If you if you see the pace you like early, try and grab a better price in game. But uh, right now, it's just a pass. It is just a pass. I'll throw out a couple props for Toronto. Nice Bertuzzi's coming close. Bertuzzi's going to score sooner. He's had chance after chance the last few games. He's had multiple shots on goal, two straight games, including the Islanders game. And people in the chat are onto it, and I like it as well. The younger brother of Jason Robertson, who, of course, plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs and will be in the lineup tonight, Nick Robertson. He knows Jason gets the accolades. Jason gets all the attention. Jason gets all the love because, you know, he's he is admittedly a few notches higher than Nick Robertson right now. Nick's going to want to prove something tonight, you know, with the, the older brother, the older broski uh, playing on the other side for the Dallas Stars. So I agree with that. I think that's a that's a nice little angle there. Nick Robertson for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs there uh, to find the back of the net tonight. It's actually one of my favorite props uh, on this entire slate. Uh, Jason Robertson, maybe too. Jason Robertson's a little more streaky with the goal scoring, but you can get plus 200 for him. You know, little brother on the other side. It's kind of like a nice little internal battle. It's like bragging rights, too, with Jason and Nick. You know, my team is is my team going to beat your team? Am I going to play better than you individually uh, as well? There's something to that. 
You know, it's what makes the it's what makes brothers that play in the same sport great because they're ultra competitive. I'm sure Jason and Nick Robertson are like that. I know Brady and Matthew Kachuk uh, are like that. They always want to beat the other. Uh, no question about that. So, yeah, I think both Robertsons, uh, Jason plus 200, but the value is really Nick. And I think Nick scored one of his goals, too, against Dallas. I remember in one of the games he was in the lineup previously in a Leaf Stars game. So you can get Nick Robertson plus 440. Yeah, Wyatt Johnston as well, but I don't need to say Wyatt Johnston anymore. Wyatt Johnston's just, he's on my player prop card every night now for the uh, Dallas Stars because he's still not priced the way he should be considering where uh, Pete DeBoer keeps putting him in the lineup, you know, and rightfully so uh, on that uh, top line uh, alongside Rope Hints and Jason Robertson. And uh, you look at uh, what he continues to do, uh, just really like a lot of his game and his ability to win pucks. And you can you can get plus 320. So you can get, you know, in the bargain bin special of the night type of price range tonight on uh, Wyatt Johnston for uh, Dallas at plus 320. So definitely some good uh, props here. It's actually a pretty good prop game, even though I don't love side or total. You know, and Sam, Sam Steele's not a crazy idea either, Cuban. Did score the other night for the uh, Dallas Stars, plus 700 at FanDuel, yeah. I mean, that's uh, someone that's uh, down the lineup for this um, Dallas Stars team. But, you know, I think for a guy that even though he's playing third line with Ben and Pavelski right now, that's where he's slotted in. Six goals on the season, but he did score against Buffalo. He got an assist the game before that, before the break against Washington. So, yeah, Sam Steele, why not? You know, keep it small because it's always streaky with players like that. But, uh, you know, definitely, you know, plus 700. You put a couple bucks on it, you see it come through all of a sudden. It's a nice little bankroll boost for sure. All right, the final game of this Wednesday slate. It is the uh, second of the TNT doubleheader tonight. Minnesota Wild, Chicago Blackhawks uh, in the Windy City. Uh, We've got uh, Minnesota minus 200 uh, road favorites uh, in this game. Uh, The total sitting at uh, five and a half shaded to the over here in this game. Um. Give me the Chicago Blackhawks in this game. I, to me, I, I like Chicago here a little bit for multiple reasons. One, the work ethic has never been an issue during this tough run for Chicago. It's been putting the puck in the freaking net, uh, as we know. That has been the issue here for uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. No question about that. But are we really, really trusting the Minnesota Wild as a minus 200 road favorite right now uh, going into this game? Absolutely not. You've got a Chicago team that is only one game below 500 at the United Center this season. We've talked about this repeatedly. Chicago shows up, you know, on home ice. And that's where they've always, I think, played their best hockey uh, this season. Whatever you consider their best hockey to be their best hockey, that's where it's been. You know, it's been at home, uh, no question. On the road, they've had a rough go, no doubt. We saw them get swept on that very difficult four-game Western road trip right before the break, but good luck with that. Vancouver, Seattle, who are playing better, Edmonton, Calgary, and that Calgary game actually kind of got a bad, 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 you know, bad luck there. Unlucky a little bit, Chicago, because Markstrom was really good. I thought they were pretty even there in that game uh, with the Calgary Flames right before the break, but they lost a uh, one nothing in that game. Both of these teams have been off since last Saturday, so there's absolutely no uh, edge as far as one team's played since the break, the other hasn't. I don't have any of that here. Now, I know Minnesota's dominated this series. I know I'm going against some pretty strong series history. I get it. With 10 straight victories here for Minnesota uh, over the Chicago team. 
And still, there's a lot of injuries here for the Blackhawks to deal with, including, of course, Connor Bedard. But they're at least somewhat a little bit healthier than they've been. At least Korchinski's going to be back. Of course, they got Nick Foligno back uh, as well uh, right before the uh, break. Seth Jones missed a game or two there. He's playing tonight for the uh, Blackhawks as well. And it's not like uh, Minnesota's a picture of health. Gustafson will start, but you've got Brodine still out. Marcus Foligno's out uh, as well for them. Jared Spurgeon, their best defenseman. Uh, done for the uh, rest of the season. So, you know, I look at this situation here for uh, uh, coming out of the break where it's always a little bit of a degree of randomness, which you're going to see. You know, how many people had Philadelphia on their betting ticket last night against the Florida Panthers with what we saw to Philly uh, going into the break and what we saw to Florida going into the break? And sure enough, Philly gets the big win as a dog. I could see something similar here. This is one of those situations where I'm more eager to take a bigger dog like this, even with a Chicago team that's going to be a lottery bound this season, just because at home you get their best. And believe it or not, you go and look at that Chicago schedule here on home ice. You know, we've actually seen them rise up and beat some quality competition uh, at home. They beat the Winnipeg Jets, you know, at home earlier uh, this season, not that long ago. In fact, they beat the New York Islanders, you know, in their last home game, four to three, an Islander team that's decent and battling for their playoff lives. So this, to me, is a price play. This is really a price play more than anything. It's a Minnesota team I have zero confidence in or deserving of this mantle, minus 200 against anybody right now. So give me Chicago here where they play their best, plus 170 to have a shot uh, at the upset. Uh, Alex, what do you think here, Minnesota, Chicago? Yeah, price-wise, I understand it. There's no, yeah, Wild shouldn't be laying 200 against anybody, even a team as bad as the Hawks. That being said, who's scoring for the Blackhawks? That's the question we keep asking. I look at the lineup every night, and I, no one stands out to me to get a goal. No one. Hey, Tyler Johnson's back in the lineup. Okay, but Tyler Johnson wasn't doing much when he was healthy. Uh, you know, Colin Blackwell moved up to second line. And, you know, showed some flashes of brilliance, but he's not a top six forward. He's not going to consistently give you – he's a great player. I hope we keep him around, but he deserves to be slotted in those bottom six roles where he's more of a grinder, more of a physical presence. There's nobody here who can who can stand up and say, hey, I'm going to go out there and get us a goal tonight. And that's the only reason why I can't back the Blackhawks here at a plus price. So now with that being said, I'm offsides. Can't really look at totals, even though we got five and a half. So we got a super low one and a half. I've seen a dollar six at FanDuel. But I'm worried about where the scoring is going to come from. Now, I like one person in particular to get some points for Minnesota. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, there's nothing I could take here side of total wise. I don't like the draw. I don't see where, unless Minnesota comes out sleepwalking for most of the game and, and they keep the Hawks in, it's the only way I see a draw happening. This feels like it's one of those random games where all of a sudden it's close and then you turn the channel and you turn back to TNT and the Wilder up 3 nothing. So uh, staying off the side, staying off the total, but I do have a player prop I'll talk about a little bit later on. I think Chicago can score tonight, but just simply because I look at this blue line. You, you like this blue line? I don't like this blue line from a defensive standpoint. Jacob Middleton's physical, but you can beat him with speed. Brock Faber's more offensively minded. I think he's still a work in progress, you know, defending in his own end. Bogosian's a pylon at this stage of his career. He is, you know, I, I, he's a good, he's a good character guy. He'll fight. He'll be physical, but you can beat him with speed too. And then Goligoski's very questionable in his own end. And John Merrill takes a lot of penalties for my liking. I mean, that is not a great defensive blue line that's lining up for Minnesota tonight, especially with no Brodeen and no Spurgeon. Those are killer absences for this wild. That's two of their, maybe their two best right there, those two guys, uh, Brodeen and Spurgeon. So if not tonight at home, to put the puck in the freaking net for the Chicago Blackhawks finally, when? You know, that's the big question. When will it happen if not tonight? And I'm not asking them to score four or five goals. 
because I've liked their effort defensively lately. That's what's kept them in games. It has been their effort defensively. Keep it to these 2-1, 3-1, 3-2 grinders. Sneak one out. That's what I'm hoping for tonight. Give me a 2-1 win or a 3-1 win or a 3-2 win. Also, the interesting thing, the biggest thing to watch for the Hawks tonight will be in goal. It's Peter Morazic starting. Now, Peter Morazic was looking fantastic. He got his contract extension, got all these things all the way up to the break. Now he's been off for a while. So now do we come back? Does he pick right up the form? Does he regress back to the Peter Morazic we've seen for the last several years? That's the biggest question mark, too, regarding this game. If he's on top and on point, yeah, we can start looking at some things live. But if he's off right away early, then this thing can get it completely out of hand. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm done waiting on Lucas Reichel. I mean, seriously, I am. I mean, I'm, Oh, yeah, I'm he's got to go. He got to go. Yeah. yeah. I'm done. I mean, I thought I think this guy is so much. More, maybe I just overrated him, but thought there was more talent there in this guy than I, than, than he's shown here with the uh, Blackhawks. But uh, I just don't think he's bringing in that hard uh, hat and lunch pail uh, often enough uh, for this team. Uh, you don't see that uh, really put on your work boots and really get after it. Sometimes you got to score some greasy goals too, man. And, and I just don't see that kind of an effort in him most nights. Yeah, yeah, it's not even. Yeah, that's just not even his style. It's not. It's not the effort. Yeah. I don't say lack of effort. It's just not his style. He doesn't no. fit here. He's, yep. he's a guy I would love for the Hawks to, to, to find a way to trade him before the deadline. See if they can, you know, see if they can, you know, swindle some team to thinking that, oh, no, he's still a good top prospect. And, uh, and we can get a couple of things back in return that would help us, you know, in the more immediate future. Uh, but, yeah, he's he's just not that guy. He's not and he's not as versatile as I thought in the sense of, OK, if he's right now, he's going he's to be on the third line tonight. But he's not a guy who's going to deliver you five hits. He's not going to block a ton of shots. He's not going to do the like I said, the, the dirty, greasy things. And he needs to go somewhere where he could be, uh, you know, mid-range top six forward, which is probably an AHL team or maybe some team like San Jose. Or uh, he needs to tailor his game to fit where he's going to probably be with most lineups in this league that's in the third, fourth lines. Yeah. Uh, the only props I like, because I, I'm a little bit skeptical on how many goals we're going to see in this game tonight with the uh, Wild and the Blackhawks. I mean, Brock Faber props, you got to look at it. Plus 550. To score a goal, two of the go- two goals in the last five games. His assist prop is still is plus one thirty. Still a really good price. Like he's been almost auto for an assist, you know, in the majority of his games recently for Minnesota. So you know, I like Brock Faber props. I'll throw one out for Chicago. And no, it's not some of the guys we've mentioned like Nick Foligno or Taylor Radish or Tyler Johnson or Jason Dickinson uh, or as we just talked about Lucas Reichel. I'm talking about it someone else as far as maybe take a shot here with the goal prop because it's a guy that's been shooting the puck lately for Chicago. He did score a couple goals in the last six games or so for Chicago. Take a look at Joey Anderson here for the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. Uh, Second line, plus 580. That to me is where the value is because his numbers as far as shot volume is concerned and, and plus the production to go with that. I think it's been a little bit better than some of these other players on this uh, Chicago team. Now, the only downfall with betting Anderson is he's unlikely to get on the power play for them. But you look at the last uh, few games here. He scored against the Islanders at home, their last home game. He had two points in that game. He's had two-plus shots on goal three of the last four games. And like I said, two goals in the last five games. At plus 580, you know, I think it's not bad for um, Joey Anderson here for the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And like I said, he, he's just a guy, he has the skill to be a guy who can give you a goal here or there. But like I said, yeah. he just needs to show a little bit more consistency at level. And, and granted, give him some time, too. He's, what, I think he's only played maybe like 15 or 18 games of the Hawks. 
So yeah. as time goes on, he could be one of those guys that maybe develops into chipping in something. Where's Jason Dickinson? Like yeah. since he signed his extension, he's been absent. And I'm, I'm not really happy about that. That's the guy who I thought would kind of maybe step up. He's to pulling a Willie Nylander right now. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that, that that's that's kind of an unsettling thing, too. He's one guy that before his extension and, and before the break and fall, is, we can say, oh, maybe the Hawks lose 5-1, to one, but Dickinson could get us a goal. You know what I'm saying? Where now you don't have that trust in him. So, so you know, some guys got to shake things up and they got to wake up. And, and the coaching, I, I'm starting to look at the coaching a little bit, too. Now, Luke Richardson's done a fantastic job overall, but – I mean, everything is so metered and measured with their offensive approach and their offensive entry. Like, you don't have the talent to do this. Fucking roll the puck out there offensively. Be structured on defense, but you need to create chaos when you cross the center line and you get into the opponent's opponent's attacking zone because you don't have the skill to just whip it around four times and get a clean shot. You just don't. And you don't have guys who can finish after you've passed the puck around three or four times. you got to crash into that. And create some chaos, get some cross ice passes going, get some screens going, and, and that way you can create some better offensive looks. But right now, this linear video game shit they're doing, it's not working. And that's why they're only scoring a, one goal or getting shut out every other night. And look, I think long term, he's going to be a great coach for this team, Luke. And I, I've got more, way more good things to say about him than bad. Great man. Uh, everyone likes him as a, you know, a leader and from, and a, from a X's and O's ability. But the one thing that you get here, I think now that maybe as a detriment to him and Chicago is this is sometimes what you get with a shutdown stay at home defenseman throughout his entire NHL career, being your head coach, you know, where you're just so entrenched on, Whoa, we've got CB 98 out. We've got all these missing artillery here offensively. It's almost like he's shut down any notion of these players showing their creative side and their skill and their playmaking side. Instead, no, let's just make sure, keep it out of the net. You know, everybody, you know, just front the net, focus on that, 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 that. And if we score, we score. And if not, so be it. But focus all on the defensive end and energy all on the defensive end. And I think that's kind of the rut at times we've seen Chicago where they're just, they know they're going to have trouble to score with the personnel out, but they're still not willing to take a risk every now and then to make a play offensively because they've got a coach that's saying, we've just got to drill it down defensively right now because that's our shot to win. You're making a great point, too. And it reminds me of we go back into the time machine a little bit. We talk about the beginning of the Showtime era. You look at that with Patrick Kane and his first coach, and he had Dennis Savard. Dennis Savard, Spinorama, offensive creativity to to the max, right? And that team had a ton of offensive creativity without much talent, kind of like what we have now. But they were able to play a more offensive game because they had offensive leadership. Now you got a Luke Richardson. You got Derek King still there as well. Those guys are preaching the defense more and eschewing the offense. And that's not good because these guys need to have some offensive development. Because at the end of the day, when we're talking about the Hawks being a playoff team and a contender once again, it's going to be because of their offense. It's going to be because of Connor Bedard and his line mates and the bottom, you know, top, uh, the second line forwards. Those guys will be chipping in goals. It's not going to be defensive shutdown. It's not going to be a lockdown goaltender. Certainly not going to be a lockdown goaltender for the next two years. So you got to start working on that offense. And Richardson's done a great job. He works well with the young players. I really don't think Richardson's probably going to stick around to even see all this rebuild. And that's not necessarily saying he's going to be bad. He's just going to get fired. and This team's going to start to suck even more than they already do. I just think that he's doing his job right now. And at some point, if he doesn't change and, and kind of adapt and be a little bit more both sides of the coin, even when you get everybody back, because like I said, 
the offense from what we saw at the beginning of the year wasn't necessarily as great as it was, say, in the preseason when we actually saw that power play working and doing things. All of that still shut down once the regular season started because they became defense first. It had always been defense first with this Hawks team and, and whatever Luke Richardson was planning, whether Bedard was there, whether Hall was there, whether Tennessee was there. So at this point, okay, well, now maybe we're looking at let's maybe not be so hard on these players with their offensive numbers. Maybe this is just a coaching scheme, and maybe this coaching scheme is only built to kind of weather the storm or the rebuild, not necessarily – you know, develop and move some things kind of forward. So that's something I kind of worry about. Like I said, this offensive drought, you know, like I said, playing against teams with weak defenses and goaltending, you should be able to get find teams should be able to find three goals a night in this league. Okay. San Jose has been able to do that. And Regardless of that. situation, injuries or circumstance. Yeah. You should be yeah. able to find three fucking goals in this league right now. And the Hawks yeah. can't do that. So something's got to change. Yeah. No, no question about that. I will say this. Look, people are saying in the chat, I think I'm sorry, but I think Minnesota, don't be sorry. I mean, Minnesota can obviously win this game. They are the better yeah. team still. No question. It's just for me at this price, if I'm betting money line and I'm recommending money line, I'm recommending Chicago. I will say this. If you like Minnesota, this might be a decent spot to go alternative puck line because, you know, could it get away from Chicago? Yes. And you're obviously going to get better prices. I mean, there's plus 135 with minus one and a half. If you want to go minus two and a half plus two fifty, you know you really get a nice price with the minus two and a half. If you want alt puck line for a little more value, for those of you like in Minnesota, uh, just throwing that out there as an option if you want to get a little more bang for your buck. Great stuff. That is the Wednesday card. Shout out to everyone in the chat. Hit the like button. Uh, we appreciate it very much. A reminder: patreon.com slash ice guys, just ten dollars per month. And of course, our Patreon exclusive betcasts are coming in February. In fact, by the end of the week, Alex and I will go back and forth with them. Um, some uh, final decisions to be made about the other betcast dates. We're going to have four betcasts in the month of February. We're going to have obviously our big one on Super Bowl Saturday, and then we're going to have three after that. And have one more public free for all betcast. We're going to have two Patreon exclusive betcasts in February. So we're coming at you with four live betcasts all together in the month of February. And the reason for that is because we might not have nearly as many in March. We're trying to balance the college basketball, March Madness, NCAA tournament going on. And so we may not have the uh, opening uh, openings available for BetCast as much next month. So that's why we're packing it in this month for uh, BetCasts for you here in the month of February, including, of course, Saturday, which we'll get to in a moment. But first, make sure you sign up. $10 per month. Our sides, totals, player props available there daily at patreon.com slash iceguys, as well as goalie charts, totals, charts, and more. Bonus content. We've got two videos we recorded over the All-Star break with more to come, including a Q&A. All that for Patreon members exclusively for just $10 per month. Of course, your subscription goes a long way to keep this show going in the long run. Patreon.com slash IceGuys, just $10 per month. And of course, our BetCast coming your way Saturday night, February 10th, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Super Bowl weekend. Ice Guys live BetCast Saturday night, 6 p.m. Eastern, when Colorado and Florida uh, get underway. Uh, we will be on the air with the start of that BetCast. As always, DM me or email me or DM Alex or email Alex for a spot on the BetCast, and we will send you the StreamYard link uh, for the BetCast before uh, the it gets underway. I think we also have Battle of Ontario for our guy Tim York, uh, yeah. Goose, on uh, Saturday night, Toronto and Ottawa. So uh, that is one of the games on the uh, Saturday night slate. Edmonton, L.A. as well. Uh, in the late night hours, uh, that'll be a cool game. Edmonton still on a great run in LA. Can they look different and rejuvenated 
post-coaching change. So that's an intriguing game Saturday night as well. So great bet cast coming up Saturday night. Make sure you join us for that. And of course, the Ice Guys store. Uh, get your gear, get your merch at iceguys.myspreadshop.com. Yeah, today is the last day where if you get two or more items, it comes with free standard shipping. So you do not want to miss out on that. That is a wonderful deal. You can get that right now at iceguys.myspreadshop.com. All right, great stuff. And shout out, of course, to our daily sponsor of the Ice Guys show, Boston Hemp, Inc. Let's hear from them now. There it is, Boston and Pink, and I feel like we're going back to the disco era when I hear that awesome music uh, running during that ad. But uh, no doubt about it, uh, great stuff, great products, uh, all your CBD, gummies, uh, everything at your disposal that you could want. It's available for you at Boston Hemp Inc. So make sure you check out the quality products from Boston Hemp Inc. today. Use promo code ICEGUYS to save 20% off all orders at bostonhempinc.com. All right, it is time for Bargain Bin Special of the Night. I think Alex has something in the bargain bin that he's found. What What do you like? I do. We're going to go to Brock Faber. And you mentioned that uh, little goal scoring prop. But I'm actually going to go something a little bit different. I'm going to go with his points. Over one and a half, you can get it plus 380 over at points bet. Uh, we've been seeing him, you know, getting some assists in there as well the last few games that he's played. I think two points from him could be solid. One of those could be a goal. So I wouldn't talk anybody out of grabbing that plus 550 uh, as well. But 380, that's my going to be my bargain bin special spot here. He gets two assists. He gets a goal and assist. He gets two goals. We catch it. So Brock Faber over one and a half points plus 380 for the Minnesota Wild tonight in the West Side against the Chicago Blackhawks. That's my bargain bin special tonight. I like that. I like that quite a bit, you know. And uh, you know, I probably and I will probably go go the um, goal and the assist route in this game uh, individually. But the over one and a half points is worth a look, I think, and it's a good price there, plus three eighty for Brock Faber of the Minnesota Wild. Over one and a half points for Alex B. Smith with his bargain bin special of the night. Mine is going to be the younger brother Robertson in the battle between the Stars and the Leafs tonight, and that is Nick Robertson. Plus 450 uh, at FanDuel. I distinctly remember, I don't know which Stars Leafs game it was, but I definitely remember one of those Dallas Toronto games the last, either it was probably last year, one of the two, certainly maybe even two years ago. But Nick Robertson scored in one of the Dallas Toronto games. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think definitely he's going to want to, you know, he's got his older brother, Jason, on the other side. He's going to want to play uh, great. Uh, and I think, and look, he's capable of it. You know, I think he's played well this recent iteration that he's been up with the Leafs and in the lineup regularly, and he's been close to scoring more goals than what he's had so far. So I think you're going to get a great uh, performance and effort from him tonight. Nick Robertson, Toronto, plus 450 at FanDuel uh, for my uh, bargain bin uh, special uh, of the night. All right, uh, it is time now. There you go. Cuban's got the answer for me. It was, 
his last season, his first game. Yep, that's that's kind of what I thought too. It was last season when Nick scored against Dallas. So uh, and of course against his older brother as well. So yeah, Nick Robertson plus four fifty for my bargain bin special of the night. All right, best bets here for this Wednesday card. Alex, what do you like for best bet? Yeah, it's a little bit of a light slate, but we do have something we like quite a bit. It's the Rangers and the Bolts. We'll go with the regulation draw. You can get that as high as that's a plus three. Let's see. Let's make sure we get the best price. FanDuel has been solid with these prices, and they have right now plus 370 between the Lightning and the Rangers for the draw. Uh, I think this should be a close game, a fun one. This will be a good one to kick off the TNT doubleheader, and I think it goes a little bit past 60 minutes. So let's go with Tampa and New York. Regulation draw plus 370. That's my best bet for Wednesday. All right, there you go. Regulation draw uh, with the Lightning and the uh, Rangers at a nice plus uh, three plus 370, right? Wow, great price. Plus 370. Lightning Rangers draw for Alex P. Smith uh, with his uh, best bet uh, for this uh, Wednesday card. My best bet, look, three games. I'm not in love with anything, quite honestly, side or total. So let's do something different. And the last time we went to the goalie prop, the saves prop market, we cashed a ticket. And it was on a Wednesday night, uh, I remember. It was Alex Lyon, if you'll remember, for the uh, Detroit Red Wings against the Florida Panthers. Remember that Wednesday night game? The TNT crew had to do the play-by-play because of the Chicago Buffalo getting postponed. And that night I used Alex Lyon over saves as my uh, best bet for the show. I'm going to use a goalie saves prop tonight uh, for best bet. And I'm going to go to Dallas-Toronto. I'm going to go with uh, Scott Wedgwood uh, here for the uh, Dallas Stars. Now, some books don't have it posted yet, so be careful on the number. I will get the number posted on the Patreon page. So right now, what I will say is Scott Wedgwood will be confirmed, I'm sure, as the goaltender. He's capable. We know I could see Toronto really peppering him. They had a lot of shots against the Islanders. We certainly saw Dallas give up 48 shots last night. But I think he's going to want to play well here tonight against uh, the Leafs. It's, again, close to home for uh, Scott Wedgwood here in this game. So in a night where I don't love anything side or totaled enough for best bet status, let's go with that. Again, when you see it, po- when I see it posted, I will give you the number. But whatever the number is, let's make it best bet tonight. Scott Wedgwood, Dallas Stars, over saves uh, for my best bet here for this Wednesday uh, NHL card. All right, that'll wrap up this edition of the Ice Guys. Thanks to everyone in the chat uh, for joining us. Hit the like button uh, on the way out. We appreciate it very much. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms. For Alex B. Smith, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Uh, Wednesday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. And we will be back with you tomorrow on Thursday for another edition of the Ice Guys. 